Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Studio 34. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. That is not Greg Sussman. That is not Frank Sanford. That is Fantasy Taz Jim Day bringing us in with the drum solo today. No, Jim Day's not the biggest Metallica fan because of uh, you know the beef that they had with Napster. No, Jim Day, he holds on. You know, he holds on. He he holds on to uh, the things that happened in the past. But excited for today's show. A lot, of, a lot of talk about Kyler Murray, some coaching updates I want to get into. We'll go up until 1 p.m. Eastern time where, you're, where you will catch the Fantasy Football Frenzy with Corey Parson, Jim Day, will be on for two hours today, and Chris Ventra, and I am Frank Stanfield. Jim, what's going on, man? How'd you sleep? Hey, I slept great. I slept great. Uh, no football last night. I had a chance to get a nice early night's sleep, and yeah, definitely good. We're we're uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Two hours of rock and roll. Well, actually, one hour of rock and roll. One hour of who knows what. Yeah, that's exactly right. Who knows what? Um, so you know, coming Although to a it little, is coming Tuesday, I should get rock there, and roll. Jim. I should get rock and roll on Tuesday. We'll see. <laughs> I never know anymore. Yeah, Taz Tuesdays, right? <laughs> Taz Tuesdays. Yeah, so interesting show that we have here. Uh, you know, I want to jump in and talk about some of these uh, some of these coaching hires, Jim. Some stuff that I find really, really interesting. That kind of has been swept under the rug, like stuff that you know from last week till now. Like the the the, the big head coaching hires are, are already they're over with. Like we we've, we've already got those in the books. And you know, while we're on that, you, you can't see what I'm doing if you're listening on the radio, but. Got the crazy eyes going with Adam Gase. I mean, uh, yeah, there you go. Martino pulling up the image of the eyes, the crazy eyes that is Adam Gase. You know, I don't, I don't know if it could have gone much worse than it did yesterday for the Jets press conference. I mean, honestly, the laughing stock of the NFL right now. I mean, people who don't even know, like, don't watch the NFL, don't follow the NFL, don't watch the Jets, don't follow the Jets. Everybody knows about Adam Gase this morning, or at least they're Googling to find out who the hell this guy is. Because he's an internet sensation with the crazy eyes that come out. And I thought it was I thought it was interesting yesterday. Obviously, I watched a little bit of it. I caught up afterwards on, on what the uh what the uh, the stand-in owner, Chris Johnson, had to say that there'll be no playoff mandate once again. You know, a lot of Jets Twitter killing them because you know there's just there's no there's no expectation for the New York Jets. And then Kind of the, like the opposite of that, a, a, a franchise that was the laughing stock for decades, the Cleveland Browns, who are seemingly doing everything right right now with Freddie Kitchens coming in. And I thought it was an awesome quote. He says, you know, we were 7-8-1 and one last year, and everyone's praising us, and, and everyone's excited about that. He's like, 
I'm not excited about that. We went under 500. Like, we need to continue to get better. And then one of the first things we hear, the Jets, Chris Johnson. There'll be no playoff mandate. It's just like you set the bar so low, the awkwardness between Adam Gase. I mean, he didn't even look like he wanted to be there. They didn't ask the GM a single question yesterday, Mike McCagney. I, I look, I, I could talk about the Jets for days, Jim. But um, <laughs> And you will. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just thought it was interesting, you know, like, Freddie Kitchens comes out and has a quote like that, and, and it's a good place to start because I want to talk about Todd Monken becoming part of the uh, the Browns coaching staff. These are two, to me, these are two franchises that are both making head coach hires, but it seems like one is going in a completely different direction than the other. Yeah, but you know, we're. I think you're a little overreacting too. I, I get it with Gaze; he hasn't really done anything in Miami. I, I, I get it, you know. Um, it is what it is, but we don't know what he's going to do with the Jets and Darnold. Totally different quarterback, totally different team. Uh, you know, he's going to bring in his own people, and, you know, maybe that makes an impact. We just don't know yet. Whereas Freddie Kitchens, I mean, we don't know yet either. I mean, he made a, a, a great job bringing this offense around with Baker Mayfield, no doubt about it. But does he take that next step to be a, a good head coach? We don't know yet. So, you know, this is all speculation to me. He's never been a head coach before at this level, so we'll have to see if he actually fills that role. Now, the thing I do like is that they put in a really good crew around him, uh, Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes, two good coordinators right there for him to work with, really gives him something to, to lean on when he needs to. So I think those are great hires with them. Um, you know, if the Jets do end up signing Greg Williams, which is the last rumor I heard that they were working close, it looked like that was going to happen. It hasn't been finalized as far as I know. Uh, I think that'll be a great hire for them. It, you know, it's really hard to put this all in place until we actually see it come together. It's true. I, I have been a little bit hard on Adam Gase and the Jets, but I don't know. I'm just sad. I'm sad, Jim. I, I, you know, I need somewhere to vent. I've kind of been using the show as, like, the Jets now, now monologue, let me ask which, you, you know, I, prob- I, I probably shouldn't do. I mean, there's only so many people who care about the New York Jets. Well, let me ask you a question real quick, because I know you wanted Mike McCarthy more. Why? I mean, I know yeah. he's got a Super Bowl on his record a while ago, but why else? I, I mean, it's not like this offense under him with one of the best quarterbacks in the league showed us anything this year. I think it's a fair question, and, and I did say that I wanted McCarthy more than Adam Gase, but to be fair, I didn't really want either one. It was kind of like the okay, lesser of two enough. evils, and uh, you know, the, if you asked me, the, the prime candidate was Bruce Arians that was out there, but apparently uh, he revealed in an interview that he would, never, he would have never gone to the Jets because they were going to fire Todd Bowles, which is obviously his good friend, who he brings into Tampa Bay to be his defensive coordinator. Uh, so the Jets were never even optioned for Bruce Arians. To me, I thought he was one of the better names uh, this year in terms of candidates. Uh, but but for McCarthy, at least, uh, look, he's stale. But you know what? We were saying the same things about Andy Reid when he you know left Philadelphia and then joined Kansas City. He, he reinvented himself. Now, there was no way to know for sure whether Mike McCarthy was going to reinvent himself. Maybe that was something that led to him not being hired by the Jets. Maybe they asked him, you know, are you going to reinvent yourself? Are you going to bring somebody else in here? And I, I think that's part of it because I think the Jets really wanted Monken to be their OC no matter who came in. Uh, it's obviously not going to happen with Gase. But I think, 
you know, McCarthy wanted to bring in one of these guys, wanted to bring in like a Philbin to be his OC again, or a Ben McAdoo, something like that. And maybe the Jets just weren't cool with it. But I will say this. He has the pedigree. He has won a Super Bowl. He has won games in the playoffs. The offense, definitely stale. But we've seen guys like Andy Reid go to another location and reinvent himself. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. And look, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Was he going to be awesome no matter who was his coach? I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question. But he was awesome and did develop under Mike McCarthy. So I don't think you can really take that away from him either, Jim. No, I, and I'm not taking away from him. I just don't, you know, I didn't see what the big difference was between McCarthy and, and Gates in my mind. But here, the, the bigger problem is, and, and it's all Jets related, is that a lot of coaches in this league don't want to play for the Jets just because of their ownership and mm-hmm. the way they've treated this team over the years. The best thing that could ever happen to the Jets organization is if they sold the team to new ownership and just started fresh because this ownership just had such a bad feel around the league that a lot of coaches don't want to want to be here. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too with you know their, their season-ending press conference that they came out and said, we're not going to change any of the structure. Well, you know, where has that got you the past two decades? You know, the past decade. They haven't made the playoffs in eight years, and they come out and say, well, the coach is going to report to the GM. The GM is going to report to ownership. It's going to be, you know, it's we're going to have this long list of, like, a chain of command, and we're not going to change anything. Well, that's why the Jets are the Jets. Enough of the Jets. I brought up the Browns a little bit here. I did want to talk about Todd Monkey coming in as their OC a uh, really awesome stat from Graham Barfield on Twitter. From weeks 9 through 17 last year, the Browns were third best in yards gained per drive. The Bucks were sixth best in that department. The Bucks were also uh, third in yards per game this year, 12th in points, number one in passing. That was under Todd Monken, who took over play-calling duties for the Bucks this year um, after Dirk Cutter gave them up to him. Uh, uh, some other notes for Freddie Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns. He brought the Browns off into life uh, in those eight games, turned Baker Mayfield into one of the hottest quarterbacks with 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a 106.2 passer rating. He was only sacked five times, Jim, five times in eight games, which was by far the fewest in the league during that span. So it's not just, it's not just he found ways to get the best out of Nick Chubb and got the best out of Baker Mayfield. But he also, in terms of like protection scheme and all these little things that like you might not think about on the surface, Freddie Kitchens was really good in all in, in all of those aspects. I do agree with you. Being a head coach is a little bit different. You have more responsibilities now. There, there are other things outside of just the offense that Freddie Kitch, Kitchens has to be focused on now. But I kind of wanted to open this up back to like a fantasy setting with Todd Monken and Freddie Kitchens together. This is an awesome duo, and I have a feeling a lot of people are, are going to flock to the Cleveland Browns next year. I still think that they need like a big outside perimeter wide receiver, whether they'll find one in the draft or they'll sign someone. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb might be a little overrated heading into next year's draft because of these two guys together. What do you think about that? Um, I, I don't. I, I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I think this guy is, is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league in a couple of years. He'll be in that discussion of top five uh, for me. I just think he's got all the tools that you want. And, you know, when they finally let him start playing the game that he knows and is good at, then we start to started to see him really come into his own. And I think 
none of that's going to change. I do agree they need another wide receiver, so I want to see what they do there. They need a you know either a good number two or a great number one over the top of Landry, which would be incredible. Um, but uh, you know if if they have, and it looks to me like they do. They have the cap space. I, I would love to see them go out and try and get Antonio Brown. I think him and Landry on the same team with Baker Mayfield throwing to him and Chubb in the backfield, I think this offense would be outstanding. Yeah, and I can't dispute that at all. The one problem is I just can't see him being traded inside the AFC North. Like, it, yeah, him, I, him I being traded alone is going to get so much backlash for, you know, for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and their fans, um, but – I just can't see it happening in the AFC North. I do think he will be traded, and we've seen like betting odds come out that like he's more likely to be traded now uh, than you know when this rumor kind of first uh, first surfaced. But I think you know the 49ers, Everyone's talking about the 49ers. They make a lot of sense just because like they're the NFC West or like on the other side of the country. You'll barely ever see him play the Steelers. It'll be like what once every four years. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, certainly, I, I I don't know you know the Indianapolis Colts, but you know the GM kind of shot that down already. Um, kind of saying like they like the direction that the team is moving in. And I, I feel like me and you have been on that same page when we talk about guy, like a guy like Le'Veon Bell. I don't expect Le'Veon Bell to be on the Indianapolis Colts because not only did they just draft two running backs in Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines in the past two drafts, but those guys have performed well behind their offensive line and they're not a distraction. So I just can't see the Colts as a team that would bring in a guy like Antonio Brown. Are, are, are you in the same camp there? Uh, I'm I'm not in the same camp at all. I guarantee you the Colts won't bring in and won't bring in uh, Bell for sure. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you that Antonio Brown maybe they could definitely use another receiver, uh, somebody to go against. So maybe they take that shot. But you know he Griggs in the GM there. He's not really known for throwing that money around like that. So it'd be interesting to see if he does do that. But I, I just don't think so. Look how how well they played with all of these third and fourth you know, place receivers stepping in and making plays every once in a while, you know, kind of reminded me of Brady when, you know, he didn't have a lot of huge players at wide receiver and yet he still made the plays. And, you know, with luck slinging the ball like he did all season, except for last week when he turned into a total pumpkin, um, you know, I, I don't really see that them thinking that's a big need, especially when they really like Deion Kane, who got injured before the season started should be ready to go for this year, and I know they really like him. So I want to see what they do with him. I don't know if there's any fact, but I guarantee you Bell won't go there. They have two good running backs that they like, that performed well, that are cheap. There's no way they pay that kind of money for Bell. Look at Jim Day digging deep, bringing up Deion Kane. Man, that's not a, that's a name I haven't heard since August, but you're absolutely right. Uh, this was another Clemson wide receiver, not of the same mold of a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins or a Mike Williams, but Clemson is known for developing wide receivers who have been uh, pretty uh, pretty successful at the NFL level, so that's definitely a name to pay attention to for next year, uh, whether you're in Dynasty or just like deeper drafts overall. I remember Deion Kane was a name that was popping off in preseason a little bit. I think they want him to be you know, kind of their possession receiver, and it makes a lot of sense. I think another name to pay attention to is Golden Tate. I think Golden Tate makes a, a lot of sense for what the Indianapolis Colts need, another possession guy, T.Y. Hilton, obviously see, see, can but, do it all. But wait, wait, can I, yep. can I throw that? I, I don't agree with you there because yeah. Deion Kane, they want him to be their slot guy. Yeah. So I don't see them bringing in Golden Tate to play over him, and neither one of those guys has ever shown the propensity to be an outside receiver. 
I think they need another outside receiver, and that's not Tate. He's never done well on the outside. He's a slot guy, and I think they really want to develop Kane, who they have under contract already that, you know, is a low enough contract. It's not going to hurt him for a couple more years. I just don't see them paying big money for, for Tate or even little money for Tate to try and play over a kid that they really like. I don't disagree with what you're saying in Deion Kane, but we've seen in the past when, you know, it's not his fault, but he got hurt and then kind of like that relinquished his opportunity. It wouldn't be his fault if that happened. But, you know, the Colts do have to spend their, or they don't, but they have a lot of money to spend, so they have, they're, they're going to spend it somewhere. I just think Golden Tate, um, you're right. I mean, neither guy has played on the outside. You're right in that, in that way. But if they want someone who's a little bit more proven, um, I, I do think that he is a name to watch. But Deion Kane as well, uh, I like that call, bringing that up as a reminder for people for next year. Just a few other coaching things that I wanted to mention. Nathaniel Hackett uh, has been brought in as the OC of the Green Bay Packers. He was fired midseason by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has a lot of experience calling plays at the NFL level with, uh, with the Buffalo Bills, the Jaguars as well. Uh, so I think they just wanted to bring in another veteran presence there for Matt LaFleur to kind of like bounce ideas off of. But, you know, he was fired from the Jaguars. Is it necessarily his fault that Blake Bortles or whoever, like Cody Kessler, couldn't complete a pass? Like, I don't know if that's necessarily his fault, but uh, I thought that was interesting. And then, right before I, I come on the show, Jim, what do I see? The Jaguars are interviewing Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy as their offensive <laughs> coordinator. I mean, how many times can we retread like the same guys? This is the same Mike McCoy who ran David Johnson in the back of his offensive line 20 times a game. Well, <laughs> Leonard Fournette's already been proven to be pretty good at that. We'll be back. More Kareem Hunt. Uh, we'll talk about Kareem Hunt, Kyler Murray on the other side. Fantasy best friends. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. A lot of times, quarterbacks with second-round grades wind up going very, very high. I'm talking about guys like Christian Ponder and Jake Locker come to mind. And this year, it's going to be Dwayne Haskins. And there's a very good chance that Kyler Murray could be viewed as that guy for somebody. He's certainly got the skill set. There's a reason why the buzz is surrounding him. And a lot of talk in the New York area here about how the Giants should probably go after him with the number six pick overall. Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. 
Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stanfield joined by Fantasy Taz, Jim Day, Greg Sussman, out sick today, home, sipping some hot cocoa, probably watching some wrestling highlights or re-watching Monday Night Raw from last night. But regardless, I'm still here for you, the people. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV, or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually anytime during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So... Head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. Jim, there was something in this read here that caught my eye, and it was, uh, it was reality television. Now, you don't strike me as a huge uh, reality television fan, but I was, I was made aware of this before I came up to do the show today. The situation from Jersey Shore was Instagramming live on his way to jail because of tax evasion. Very weird situation. I mean, I, I understand like social media, like the, the the presence that it that it plays in today's society. But the guy's Instagramming live on his way to prison. Is it, what's going on here, Jim? I don't know. Look, I, I'm not a Jersey Shore guy. I'm not a reality TV guy. You didn't strike guy. me as a Jersey Shore guy. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I know plenty of people like him, and basically they're all idiots. Um, they just are, um, that's a little harsh. <laughs> they are. They're just idiots. They're, you know, I, I, there's no other way to say it. I, I mean, every, at every turn, this, this guy, the situation, what's his name? Mike, I think Yeah, Mike. Uh, has, has proven himself to be an idiot. Um, and he, I'm pretty sure he got caught on tax evasion because of something he put on social media. <laughs> it all comes full so, circle, Jim. Yeah, it really, you know, I, again, uh, Look, uh, I have a smartphone and I use it a little bit, but I got to be honest, I never feel as dumb as when I'm holding my smartphone. <laughs> oh, you're telling me you don't Instagram live or, uh, you know, post yeah, pictures no. to social media when you're breaking the law because, you know, that, I, I treat it as a sense. phone. I treat it as a phone where I take and make calls and then I text on it. And that's a, probably the extent of what I do on my smartphone. I don't like. A, a ton of apps on my phone because I hate every time I go to put an app on that I like and I see that they want to have control of all your emails, your contact list, and all that crap. I don't want these guys to have all that information. They, they can send emails on my behalf and, oh, heck no, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with that crap. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I do, I feel like I should because I'd love to turn them on to the fact that I have 58,000 contacts in my phone because when I first got my phone, Google decided it was going to take my entire Google Plus following and put them in my phone. Thank you, Google. I appreciate that muchly. One of the other reasons I can't stand you guys. <laughs> oh, man. This is why I like having uh, Jim on the show. It's kind of like a change of pace because, you know, you have me and Greggy. We're both uh, millennials, I guess you could say. And it, you kind of get the opinion of, of someone different. Yeah, the generation before. The old guard, one might say. I mean, 
Yeah, no offense, Jim. I just I like to get different <laughs> hey, perspectives. Hey, I'm old, Frank. I live with it. <laughs> <laughs> you live with it. You know what? Uh, hopefully, Corey asked Ventra about uh, about the situation and his situation because I, I have a feeling that Ventra would have a lot to say on the mat. <laughs> Don't get me started there. Don't get me started. <laughs> I, I teased this a little bit before the break, and I tweeted out an article. If you go uh, on my Twitter, at Roto underscore Frank, make sure you follow Jim as well, at Fantasy Taz. I tweeted out an interesting article. Now, this is the first that I've heard in terms of a team showing any interest level, and I use the term interest level loosely here when it, when it pertains to Kareem Hunt and the Chicago Bears because Matt Nagy, a former offensive coordinator, spent time with the Chiefs, obviously last year when Kareem Hunt was a, a rookie in the NFL and he led the NFL in rushing. This is kind of the first that I've seen of a team kind of like reaching out. And it's not to like gauge his interest to bring him back to the NFL or like contract negotiations or anything like that. Uh, but I'll read you a few quotes from this. It was really interesting um, what Matt Nagy had to say when answering questions during a press conference uh, Monday. I talked to Kareem, completely wanting to know what he's doing. We had a good conversation. Here's a kid that I spent a year coaching on offense. It's a tough situation. I wanted to see making sure that he's okay, but understanding, too, the situation that happened is unfortunate for everybody. He knows that. The only thing I cared about when I talked to him was literally his personal life, how he's doing. It was a good conversation. He sounded good, but that's it. The other stuff, that's not where it's at. There's more to talk there's more to it than football, so we talked strictly on that. Uh, later on, he also uh, he also said, I've been raised that way, this is Matt Nagy, to give guys second chances, not third chances. So, I mean, they, they haven't come out and actually formally said, like, we're interested in Kareem Hunt, but when you read a quote like that, I'm interested in giving a guy second chances, not third chances, that Kareem Hunt's going to get another shot in the NFL. Chicago Bears would be very interesting. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of hoops that he has to go through. Like, Kareem Hunt is going to face a suspension from the NFL. Nobody knows how long it's going to be, whether it's four, six games, maybe even longer than that. Um, I know Martino downstairs, video producer, said, uh, you know, maybe it's a year. I don't know that it's that long. But we're going to see Kareem Hunt in the NFL again at some point. The Chicago Bears with Mad Nagy, Jim, is pretty interesting. So I've kind of, like, opened this up to you. Like, how do you handle all these quotes? Uh, have you seen anybody else show any type of interest at all whatsoever in Kareem Hunt? Uh, how do you handle this? Look, from what I get out of it, first of all, he was concerned about the guy. And I like that. You know, that, that's a sign of a good coach. He's concerned about guys he's played with in the past. And I get that. And, you know, that's fine. To me, it's almost more like they're testing the waters to see what kind of backlash they're going to get from their fans if they even think about bringing him up just by mentioning his name. Are they, you know, is he getting angry tweets and, you know, posts on Facebook saying, oh, I can't believe the Bears are thinking about bringing this asshole in and, you know, want, want him on their team just to see if that's happening or not. And, and, you know, that's what I think they're trying to gauge here and why it became such a big article. And I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I haven't even, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense to see, you know, what kind what's the reaction here with Kareem Hunt? Because look, I, there's no defense for what he did. And we talked about that a lot, like when it happened. So I'm not going to get back into that, but there's no doubting his talent at the NFL level. So I, I do think that he'll be back at some point. And it would be interesting to see what the bears would do if they did bring him in, because then, I mean, you have the option to trade, Jordan Howard if you wanted to, but if there's a suspension with Kareem Hunt, you kind of need Jordan Howard to fill in that role. Uh, so there are, like, a lot of moving parts of this. Um, in terms of, like, fit, and, and we're getting really, really ahead of ourselves 
I mean, this would be awesome. Like, from a fantasy yeah, perspective. Do, do they need him? I mean, they got Tariq Cohen in the passing game, who yeah. showed excellent this year. And, you know, everybody's down on Jordan Howard. But did you realize that Jordan Howard had 18 fewer fantasy points this year than he had last year? Same number of touchdowns. So everybody's like, oh, my God, Jordan Howard, the roof is falling in. He sucked. Oh, my God, let's get rid of him. He had 18 points less than last year. Come on, people. After last year, everybody loved him. The problem with Jordan Howard, and you are a proponent of PPR, and you play in full PPR league, so you already know where I'm going with this. He just doesn't catch the ball. So where does Kareem Hunt fit in is that you know he could do a little bit of everything. And, yes, they do have, uh, they do have Tariq Cohen, and he's awesome. And, you know, it, it, would just, it would come down to Matt Nagy finding even more creative ways to get Tariq Cohen involved. Uh, we certainly didn't see that in the playoff game against the Eagles, which might be part of the reason why uh, the Bears were home watching the Eagles play in the divisional round <laughs> against uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I'm definitely not just salty because I used Tariq Cohen in DFS and, and it, it didn't work out. But regardless, uh, Jordan Howard, just because he put up 18 less fantasy points than last year, I don't know that that's a great endorsement, Jim, because last year was kind of an underperformance as well, based on what he did as a rookie, right? We were kind of expecting Jordan Howard to build off that. And mind you, I mean, it was like, it was with, uh, it was with John Fox. So like the offense was not great. And Mitchell Trubisky was a rookie and all this thing. But to say that he was only 18 points behind him this year, I feel like that's not a great endorsement. Okay. But here, listen to this. Um, it was with John Fox. who's a guy who loves to run the ball. Yep. You know, that's one of the reasons he's not coaching anymore because <laughs> he's not into this all new high powered high offense type of thing. He's an old school coach that likes to ram it down your throat. And the fact that, you know, he was used a little more last year and not as much this year goes to, you know, Matt Nagy trying to turn the offense more towards what he wants to do, which I get, except he didn't turn it far enough. We didn't. We saw a couple of games where they got innovative and made some nice choices, and all of a sudden Trubisky's throwing six touchdown passes. But then a couple of weeks later, we see this same team go back to doing what's normal and not doing any of that. And it's been a very up-and-down year as far as I'm concerned as Matt Nagy coaching because remember back to the preseason, everybody loved everybody on Chicago because Matt Nagy was going to turn this offense around and they were going to do wonderful things. And everybody from the tight end on up was just going to be wonderful fantasy players. And let's face it, Tariq Cohen is the only one who did. That's true. I think Trubisky is interesting heading into next year because I believe it was weeks one through seven or one through eight. He was like QB six or seven overall. So he was performing, and I know, I know a lot of that was loaded up in that six-touchdown game that you talked about, but he's also a guy that can move around a little bit. So from a fantasy perspective, I kind of like Trubisky heading into next year. We'll see what else they do in the offseason, but uh, his ability to run, I think, certainly helps his fantasy output. Jordan Howard, it's just three years in a row since he's come into the league as a rookie, you, you've kind of seen the his production decrease every year. I mean, 5.2 yards per carry as a rookie, and yards per carry isn't, you know, end-all, be-all, but 4.1 yards per carry last year, that was under John Fox with uh, a rookie quarterback in Trubisky, and then in it, this year, it was 3.7 yards per carry, and you talked about how there were games where the offense looked better and kind of like, it was inconsistent. I think we could say that about Matt Nagy's offense this year, but the games where it was really great were the games where they were getting... Uh, Tariq Cohen involved a lot. 
So, you know, I'm just kind of worried about Jordan Howard moving forward for next year. I know he kind of ended strong. He was scoring a lot of touchdowns late in the year. But again, just not catching passes. I could see why this team might want to go in a direction with Kareem Hunt. I guess that's what it comes down to, Jim. Hey, look, I'm not saying they won't. Yeah. I absolutely agree on a lot of that points. I'm just, you know, I, I, I just don't think they're ready to give up on Howard yet. Um, I, I just don't see that. Um, and like you said, they started using him more towards the second half of the season. And as they started to get into the cold weather, you got to expect that. They want to get that ground game established. And while Cohen is a good pass catching back, he's not really that running back you can expect. But, you know, they got Howard under a contract for one more year. I, I'd be surprised if they do anything with that. I think they give him that next year to see if he can get back to the standards he set as a rookie uh, and if not, then they let him go at free agency and then they make a move. I, I don't know if they want to pay another running back now when they have, you know, two guys under contract already. Jim, I wanted to get into Kyler Murray a little bit here, both from kind of a financial background and then for football, like in terms of, you know, would you want the Giants to draft this guy? Is he worthy of being a top 10 pick? Because obviously there are question marks about his height, his weight, so on and so forth. But the skill, and I'll get into that probably on the other side of the break, I think the skill is there when it comes to Kyler Murray. Really interesting article. I tweeted this one out as well at Roto underscore Frank by J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. Uh, pretty much just laying out the financial, uh, the financial foundation that you need to know in terms of what kind of money he would make uh, as you know, a top 10 pick, as a baseball player, and you know, how long it would take for him to earn a big-time contract in baseball because, Jim, you're not a big baseball guy, but for anyone else who out there who is listening and watching, we know right now that there, there's a big problem in baseball when it comes to, like, arbitration-eligible players and, you know, teams going to, you know, arbitration court and fighting over not wanting to pay their players a certain amount and, you know, players not getting that first big-time contract until they're 26 or 27. Like Machado and Bryce Harper, for example, right now, and you could get paid in arbitration if you play well, so it's not to say that you can't get paid. But right now, Machado and Bryce Harper are 26 and 27, uh, you know, they're that age, 26, 27 years old, right? And they're not getting paid. Meanwhile, they're two of the most offensively talented players in baseball. So there are two sides to every coin. Like for people who are just, you know, throwing out a blanket statement like you make more money in baseball than you do in football. It's not necessarily true. And J.J. Cooper of Baseball America in this article paints an awesome picture because Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford basically came into their respective leagues at the same time. Clayton Kershaw, Jim, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Clayton Kershaw. I know you're not a big baseball player. Yeah, I've heard of him. You heard of Clayton Kershaw. (laughs) You know, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the best pitchers of all time. He, in his 10, 11-year career, has made the same amount of money as Matthew Stafford. They They came into their respective sports at the same time. Matthew Stafford will be lucky right now to crack the top 20, top 15 in terms of quarterbacks right now in the NFL. He's made the same amount of money as Clayton Kershaw, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So financially, for people who are just out there saying, like, it's a lock, you go into baseball because, uh, you know, there's no injury risk. I mean, the guy, like Kyler Murray, he's, he's considered a very raw baseball prospect. If he goes to play in the minor leagues, he's going to be in the minors for at least two or three years. Now, he does have that. Scott Boris, you know, more than that. <laughs> he has Scott Boris as his, as his agent, who's trying 
you know, vehemently right now to to get as 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 much money possible for uh, this guy who has yet to play even a minor league game as he possibly could, and that's Scott Boris's job. But I just think for everyone out there who's saying like, oh, it's a no brainer, you have to play baseball because you'll make more money. If you're a quarterback in the NFL, and we've seen this even with backup quarterbacks, Jim, guys like Chase Daniel and uh, Matt Castle in their careers that make money playing the quarterback position, I don't think that it's just a slam dunk, like go play baseball because you make more money there. I think the guy should follow his dreams. Like whichever sport you like more, you should go out and play. But it's not as easy as just saying you make more money in baseball than football. Oh, it's not even close to being able to say that. Um, because you do have to wait all those years before you get into the big leagues in most cases, unless you're absolutely a true phenom. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, he's not a true phenom. He, he's got talent and, and all of that, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. And, you know, there, there's other things that come into play, but more than likely you're spending a few years in the minors, which means a lot of times riding buses and all that other crap that comes along with that. And a long time of not making much money. The, the signing bonus would be his big paycheck until not only he gets into the big leagues, but actually until he gets to a point where he can renegotiate another contract. That's when he's going to start making more money. And you're probably looking at, you know, maybe six, seven years from now that he gets that chance to get a second big contract. Whereas in football, if he does get drafted in the first round, he's guaranteed to make more than that right off the bat. Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick in the first round. And he get he doubled what they, the signing bonus that Murray got from the the uh, baseball team. So, you know, it, it really comes down to whether or not he's going to be a first draft pick. And a lot of people's first round pick. And a lot of people say yes. Yeah, that Lamar Jackson example is spot on too. Because even if Kyler Murray is the last pick in the first round, Lamar Jackson is still making money right now. We'll talk about this more on the other side. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today Weekend Fantasy Update. They call me the fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now. And keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? 
Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy Sports Today. I'm concerned that Drew Brees, later in the season, is not hitting long balls like that. He misses the first throw of the game. There isn't consistency in their accuracy later in the seasons. Drew Brees, for the last month of the season, he had three games where he threw a touchdown and one where he didn't throw any. The passing totals were down. They're relying a little bit more heavily on the run. And then I see him miss two easy touchdowns the other day, and I'm concerned. Weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stample joined by Fantasy Taz, Jim Day. No Greg Sussman here today. He's out sick. He's got the flu. But I'm here to remind you. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf will, is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping. Customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings. Ownership projections. PGA finish probabilities and simulator outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three ball betting tools, PGA pro tip, subscriber chat, and more. Go to dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, choose golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, click on golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Before the break, Jim mentioned uh, the numbers when it came to Lamar Jackson, who was the the 32nd pick. So he just barely hit the cutoff as a first-round pick in last year's draft. Uh, He signed a nearly $5 million signing bonus and is guaranteed $7.5 million, even if the Ravens were to cut him today, tomorrow, whatever it might be. Uh, But uh, the Ravens could keep him for the 2022 season by exercising a fifth-year option at a significant raise, likely $10 million or more. Uh, and then having earned $20 million or more at that point. I find this all interesting because uh, there were actually odds released uh, in ter- uh, for Kyler Murray in terms of uh, where you think he would be drafted right now. I think this is a very hot topic. And plus, we, we have to see like if he goes to the NFL Combine. like That will tell us how serious he is about playing at the NFL level. Uh, this came out on, uh, on Oddshark. These are via Bovada. Where will Kyler Murray be selected in the 2019 NFL Draft? The over-under pick right now is at 28 and a half, plus 195 for the over. So that would mean you know going pick 29 or later, and then going into the second round, or under pick 28 and a half, which is minus 250. So the odds makers are smarter than you and I, Jim, uh, and that tells you right there that he's a favorite to be drafted in the first round, inside the top 28 picks as of right now. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of throw this your way as well because. You are a Giants fan. They have the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, you know, there are chances that, you know, teams trade up to try and draft a Kyler Murray. So we've kind of talked about the financial background of all these things. I kind of want to get into him as a football player and just kind of talk about that. He's 5'10", listed as 5'10", which means he's probably like 5'8", 5'9". We haven't seen a quarterback uh, or any player, well, not any player, because there are running backs that are that small, but a quarterback succeed at that height outside of like Doug Flutie to be and like we do this every year with with Baker Mayfield and Drew Brees and Russell Wilson we talk about the height thing he is smaller than your average NFL prospect if you look at his numbers versus Baker Mayfield's this year versus Baker Mayfield last year when he was coming out in Lincoln Riley's system they're nearly identical 
It is crazy. If you go and look at this, 69% completion percentage for Kyler Murray. Uh, Baker Mayfield was just, I, I think, just over 70%. Computer's not loading. You see, this is technology, Jim. This is technology. 70.5% <laughs> for Baker Mayfield. Uh, 11.6 yards per attempt for Kyler Murray. 11.5 yards per attempt for Baker Mayfield. Baker, 43 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Kyler Murray, 42 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Oh, not to mention, he ran for 1,000 yards in college football. Jim, if the Giants drafted Kyler Murray, how would you feel? It'd be interesting. Uh, look, I mean, with a, a guy that fast that can move that well and, you know, with him and, and Barkley in that backfield, that would be an interesting backfield, I'd, I'd have to imagine. Um, and he does have a strong arm and can get the ball downfield, so that should play into Beckham's hands and, you know, with Ingram there. Look, they got all the pieces. If they can get the right quarterback, that's going to be a significant change. Whether he does, if that's the guy or not, that's a different story. Look, you know, we know the disadvantages of being a smaller quarterback hard to see over the top of you know the offensive and defensive linemen um and and uh, look we saw luck who who uh what what the heck is luck like six three six four um get what six balls tipped in this game last week so you know imagine a guy who's who's five nine which is what the reality is for him that he's five nine uh trying to throw over that i get it now you know Drew Brees has done it. You know, Doug Flutie has done it. There have been guys. Russell Wilson has done it. But they're even a little bit taller. Doug Flutie's probably the only one in that same range. But he showed he could play in this league, get around that. And a lot of that is just knowing when to slide in the pocket left and right to give you those angles to throw at. And Drew Brees even came out and said, look, half the time I don't see the play form going in my mind. I just know it's going to happen and be there when I throw the ball. So, you know – a lot of that comes down to instinct. And, you know, if he has the good instincts, then the height is really not the big disadvantage that everybody makes it out to be. We just won't know until he gets in this league. And, you know, that's always going to be a concern. And that's why, you know, NFL draft scouts, like this is a huge time of the year where like everyone's looking up mock drafts. Everyone's talking about scouting. Like once the NFL season ends, I feel like a lot of people start to dive into like college tape and, and look at these top prospects and kind of like make their own evaluation on players. And it's just, I feel like Kyler Murray is one of those polarizing guys where like his evaluation is going to be all over the place. As is, like, there, there are quarterbacks like this every single year. I mean, there were uh, evaluators last year who said, you know, Josh Allen wasn't worthy of being a fourth or fifth round pick. Meanwhile, you know, the Bills traded up inside the top 10 to draft him. And the jury is still out, but. He somewhat succeeded. He succeeded with his legs last year. So, look, it's always going to be a polarizing topic, especially with a guy like this who, you know, two-sport athlete, you know, deciding between baseball and football. Like, everyone's going to talk about it, and rightfully so. I just think, you know, let's look at the numbers. Is it is it just a Lincoln-Riley thing? Like, his system is that good where, like, it could put these guys in place? But he's produced back-to-back -back Heisman Trophy winners. I think there's something to be said for that. And, you know, the, a lot of skepticism with, you know, Big 12 quarterbacks coming out of college. Look at the last two. It's Baker Mayfield and it's Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, you could be a skeptic to a certain level, but I think the kind of the Big 12 theme or, or, or kind of uh, what we were worried about with, like, the Big 12 quarterback, I think it's a little bit behind us right now, Jim. Um, is that kind of like a bow on, uh, on Kyler Murray? Like, if you had to yeah, bet, see, I, do, you think I, he, I do you think he is drafted in the first round? 
Well, hey, hey, people that follow it a lot more closely than I, I think he will. Todd McShay thinks he will. Adam Schefter thinks he will. Um, so I'm going to go with those guys because they follow it a lot closer than I do, especially at this point. As we get closer to draft season, then I'll be more highly invested and know a little bit more. But they, the, the guys that do this you know, year round and follow this stuff much closer than I think he will be. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to nobody's really talking about it, but it's the same thing. You know, that we've all been joking about in the coaching hires that everybody wants the new Sean McVay. Well, everybody, every team out there wants that new quarterback that can run those RPOs and be successful at it. And they're going to reach for those guys and hope that they hit gold. Um, and that's probably why he's going to go in the first round. I'm just imagining the idea of having to defend an offense that has Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, and Odell Beckham. I mean, how? <laughs> like, how do you game plan for trying to stop a defense like that? You know, I don't want to get ahead. Of, I don't want to get ahead of myself because look, Kyler Murray's still going to be a rookie. But when you have as many weapons as the Giants' offense has, like they still need to make improvements to the offensive line. It's just like trying to game plan to stop that defense. I mean, all the power to you. And you know, for people who are out there saying like Kyler Murray is a wide receiver, come on, man. Like we just. We just saw what Lamar Jackson did. He brought a team to the playoffs. Like, he turned around a franchise this year at the NFL professional level, and he made it to the playoffs. Didn't perform in the playoffs, but come on, man. Like, let's stop doing this, like, just because you're a mobile quarterback that you have to be a wide receiver at the NFL level. To me, that's not fair uh, to the guys that we're talking about. Jim, inside the YouTube chat right now, I've noticed you're having a little discussion here with Lance Davis. Last year... (laughs) I attempted to eat 40 chicken nuggets on the air. Yes, you could go back and watch it yourself. I think we called it the Nugget Challenge. If you just YouTube Nugget Challenge, FNTSY, my name, BFFs, whatever, you'll find it. I tried to eat 40 nuggets, Jim. A lot easier said than done. And you're out here saying that that's a snack. Serious? You can down 40 McNuggets? Like it's nothing? I know I could. Yeah, you know you could. It sounds like something you might have done before. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'd probably like take 10 of them and shove them in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> images hey, I, hey, of you, Jim Day. Really now, want, that's, now, now really that's the real fantasy Taz right I, there. I, that's the fantasy I Taz. <laughs> I once ate an entire Sicilian pizza by myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> at one time. That's in insane. one sitting. Yeah, man, I thought it could, right? Because... I didn't get to be this size by not eating, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, we would um, we would all go out and get lunch together, like myself, Florio, and uh, and Greg. And I would go, I would get like a twenty piece nugget and fries or whatever, and I would just down it, and I would still be hungry afterwards. And they're like, Dude, you just ate twenty McNuggets and fries, like this is kind of gross. Like, you really think you could eat more than that? And I'm like, well, I'm still hungry, so I feel like if I don't eat fries and I just try and eat forty nuggets, that I could do it. Turned out I couldn't do it. I, I got I got conquered. I got owned that day, Jim. Yeah, well, it happens, right? You know, a lot of times the eyes are bigger than the stomach. Oh, that happens to me all the time, too. Like, Doesn't really happen to me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time, uh, and that's how I've gotten to this point where the month of January is, uh, is no alcohol uh, and no carbs. Something new that I'm trying, Jim. No carbs and no alcohol in the month of January. Well, there you go. <laughs> I only made one New Year's resolution this year. What was that? Not to make any more New Year's resolutions. (laughs) I told this to Greg when we came back after the New Year. I said, my New Year's resolution was that my fiancé would stop yelling at me. 
Oh, forget that. I don't know how that makes sense, but that's it's my resolution. It's going to get worse when you get, the finger on, when you get the ring on the finger. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Um, I think this is a good time to sign off YouTube right here. I wanted to talk more about this mock draft. Maybe we'll get Jim on uh, another day this week so we can talk more in depth about this mock draft that we did. Again, only six rounds. I tweeted out the results. Uh, I thought there were some really interesting picks here. We'll talk... Uh, for the final couple of minutes, we'll talk about, you know, one pick that I thought was interesting from my team, and, and we'll, I'll throw it to Jim, and I'll ask him, you know, one pick that was interesting from his team. Uh, but before then, we'll sign off YouTube. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Uh, if you're listening to us on podcast, make sure that you subscribe there. Uh, leave us comments there. Give us five stars, iTunes, Google Play, the entire shindig. Coming up next, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, Jim Day, fantasy Taz, and the closer. Chris Venture with his thoughts on Mike, the situation. But, Jim, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, through six rounds, here was your draft. You had Alvin Kamara, this is full PPR. He had picked six overall. He had Alvin Kamara, David Johnson, George Kittle, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, and Cortland Sutton. Uh, I know we picked your brain a little bit about this last week. You said, and what a lot of people do is they use mock drafts to, to try out different strategies. I myself tried a strategy as well that I didn't really like. But you didn't take your first wide receiver until round four, and your wide receiver core ended up looking like Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Corlin Sutton. Uh, if there's any one player that you want to talk about uh, of those three, um, who do you want to talk about? Well, hey, look, uh, it, it's going to come down to Cooper Cup and, and how healthy he comes back. If he comes back healthy, I have no problem with him as my wide receiver one. Well, not a lot of problem. I would have liked somebody better. But, you know, what I wanted to do was uh, see what would happen to my wide receiver core after grabbing George Kittle uh, in round three. Now, what I found out is I didn't really love it. Um, you know, I got three, what I consider three decent wide receivers. I'm not the hugest Courtin Sutland, Sutter Sut I, I, fan. But, uh, that was but fantasy Taz think, moment right there again. Yeah, <laughs> but but I do think as a number three, I'll be okay with that. I, I hopefully he takes another step forward uh, in his progression, and I think he will. But uh, Tyler Lockett was great all season. I don't see that changing next year. Um, Cooper Cup was great till he got hurt. I I definitely think that will continue as long he gets back healthy. So I don't really have concern there. But. Ultimately, it came down to I knew I wanted to try one of the big three tight ends to see what happened after it. Uh, Kittle was the last one there. But what actually forced my hand more than that was the fact that David Johnson was there in the middle of the second round for me. I had to take him. Uh, there was just no way. I, he was best player on the board for me. No way I could let him slip past. If I did this for real and wanted to get one of those big three tight ends next year, I would probably make sure I started the first and second round with one wide receiver and one running back as opposed to two running backs. I do love that value on David Johnson as well. I was considering him at my pick, and then I would have started wide receiver, wide receiver. Uh, I mean, running back, running back as well, because I began my draft with Melvin Gordon, and then I took DeAndre Hopkins in the second round because I just couldn't pass on that value. But I, I was considering David Johnson because – Say what you want about Cliff Kingsbury. He's going to do creative things, and he's going to get the ball in the hands of David Johnson. Like, Cliff Kingsbury, if there's one thing that he's going to be good at is doing creative offensive things. And he comes from, you know, an air raid type offense uh, in uh, in the Big 12 where, you know, you spread things out as well. Like, he's going to get David Johnson out in space. I'm very excited about TJ. Um, and I remember, you know, one of the first things I tweeted after the, uh, the season ended was, this guy finished as RB10 in a terrible season. And 
you know, I, I'd have to count the running backs that were drafted here, but he's probably being drafted in that range here as like, you know, barely a top 12 running back. And to me, he's only going to get better. Like, he's not going to be worse than what he was this year. He, he, he caught 50 balls still. I believe he, uh, he had close to double-digit touchdowns. Um, it, it, he, he did not live up to expectations, certainly. But he still finished RB10, Jim. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And that's the fact. And and like you, I expect this offense to, to actually get a little better. I don't think they could be as bad as they were this year on a whole. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with wide receiver, whether uh, Fitzgerald comes back or they need to go out and get somebody else. Uh, I want to see what happens there. I mean, I know they love uh, Kirk there and working out of the slot. So I think they need to find two outside receivers, especially if Fitz uh, doesn't come back. If he does, then they need to find one on the other side. And, you know, that would help. But I just can't see David Johnson playing, you know, with the numbers he had this year. I think his numbers have to increase. And at that point, in the middle of second round, I'm taking that chance every day. We're talking about a guy, you know, in 2016 who just blew the doors off of everything. And I expect him to get closer to that. Just, you know, all the talk around him everywhere, anybody you talk to, any, you know, interview you see where they talk about him, he's so ultra competitive. And he was absolutely not happy with his outcome this year, and he wants to do better. Jim, I'm going to do something right now that the Jets have never done, and I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm going to ask you about Cortland Sutton, because you, you spoke on him a little bit, but you were very critical of Cortland Sutton this year. I remember when uh, when Emmanuel Sanders went down with the injury and Demarius Thomas was traded, everyone was here pumping up Cortland Sutton, and you were kind of like, all right, guys, hold your horses a little bit. We don't have much time left, but in, let's say, you know, 30 seconds, Tell me why you went with Cortland Sutton in the sixth round. Uh, just because I think he has the upside in this offense. If this offense improves at all, if they make a quarterback change, I think that would be great. Um, and the fact that I expect Sanders to be back next year. Of course, coming off the Achilles, that's going to be a reach. We'll see how that works out. But if Sanders is back, then I like Sutton as a number two. I just don't think he's ready to step into that number one role. He also needs to include and improve his route tree and run better routes. So hopefully these things are things they correct in the offseason. There you hear it. Metallica playing in the background. No DMB, no Dave Matthews band while I'm here. Oh, God, no. And there's no Greg Sussman. <laughs> Jim, I want to thank you for coming on today and helping me out. That is Jim Day, the Fantasy Taz. Follow him on Twitter. I am Frank Stanfield. Follow me at Roto underscore Frank. Stay classy, fantasy owners. See you tomorrow.